0: You're listening to Innovating Smart, stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org.
1: What is smart? Smart is system-savvy, managed intelligently, adaptive, regenerative, and trusted. These are our design principles for a sustainable world. Hi, my name is Peter Fitch, and I have a BA in Environmental Studies. Today we are speaking with Kevin Krasnow who is a Ph.D. candidate at the UC Berkeley Fire Science Lab.
0: Okay, hello, my name is uh, Kevin Krasnow and uh, I am a a Ph.D. candidate here at UC Berkeley working in the Fire Science Lab and uh, I'm here to tell you a little bit about the the research that we're we're doing here in the lab um, that focuses on uh, fire ecology, fire history, and current forest management and um, and we're going to focus on um, sustainable forest management talking about how um, maybe our past uh, experiences with uh, forests in California haven't been as sustainable as they can be in the future.
1: Cool. So then um, could you just tell us a little bit about your inspiration on why you got into the field of uh, wildfire uh, study and um, where you
0: think uh, the sustainable benefits of it are? Uh, Yeah, thanks. yeah, it's interesting. My, my background um, originally was in human biology and I was, I was interested in uh, adolescent development, adolescent medicine, um, and uh, went on to teach high school, teach um, science uh, and biology um, in, a, uh, in a high school in San Francisco um, and with a focus on kind of environmental education. Um, my initial thought was that I wanted to uh, help people I was interested in, um, in potentially medicine, in, in education, um, and then as I um, started to um, spend more time outside, I mean, I, being outdoors is always important to me. And as I start to learn more about the environment, I realized that people don't necessarily need need, need much help these days. I um, mean, people certainly there are segments of, of populations that need support, but that it was the the natural environment, um, the the species other than humans that really needed a spokesperson on the planet Um, and so i wanted to um, find out more about how ecosystems work and um, fire has been particularly interesting to me since i was a kid and um, i think i still remember the yellowstone fires in 1988 huge fires in in yellowstone and um, one thought that it was going to be this huge devastating disaster and at the time that's what that's what was said on the news and public perception Um, and then that's a big turning point in American um, fire science because it wasn't a big disaster. Um, those forests are regenerating quite well and they were they were adapted for those types of fires. So it was a big learning on our part that um, our vision of fire as a destructive bad force um, was actually caught up in a lot of our cultural history and um, wasn't necessarily true from an ecological perspective. And so I think fire um, is one out of so many disciplines that Um, point out the the hubris that um, Americans have had or that humans have had in general um, in terms of um, their knowledge and domination of the environment. Cool. So
1: then, like, going off of the study that you're doing, what value are you, uh, do you think the research that you're getting is
0: going to bring to the sustainable effort of forestry. Yeah. So what we're trying to to understand is how um, fire interacted with the forest, and and, and our research is mostly in the Sierra Nevadas, but but certainly we've done research in Mexico and other coniferous forests in the the western U.S. Um, But to understand how fire interacted with those forests in the past, um, and then understand what has happened since basically European-American settlement um, and, and current forest management. Uh, to understand where we are now, and then what we're trying to understand is how uh, the forest is gonna potentially change in the future, and, and climate change is a big part of that, um, and climate and fire certainly interact. Um, they have um, relationships that are, that are clearly, statistically shown, and, um, and try to predict how to um, maintain and manage forest sustainably in the future. We're, we're worried about um, species, species lost, um, carbon cycling is, is important in, in forests. Forested lands um, are really the headwaters of almost all of the uh, the uh, drinking water and pure water that falls on the on the western states, and so um, they're vitally important resources. And uh, we're trying to understand how to how to protect them and how to manage them um, to maintain all of these ecosystem services that they provide.
1: Um, so then, as you were getting involved in this. Um What potential um, policies were you having to look at in terms of uh, collecting your data or um, what risks did you uh, feel you were taking on by uh, directing your study in this field rather than another? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Well, um, so I have a couple answers that are are somewhat related to the question. Policy is a really interesting thing in, in forestry in the in the US. Um, the Forest Service manages the, our, our National Forest. The Park Service manages the, the um, uh, national parks. BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, also manages um, large tracts of forested land. And um, so a lot of the policy is, is federal policy. And then there are state forests as well, private landowners that that own uh, timber production uh, land is the, the laws are implemented by the state. So you have a lot of different governing bodies um, and um, competing interests as well. Um, I want to talk mostly about the Forest Service. That's, that Most of my research has been done on Forest Service property and um, the Forest Service is in a tough situation where they have a history, their founding really, if you go into a national forest the sign says land of many uses. Which is interesting just to think about next time you go into a forest um, because that was the founding of the, of the forest service was the, the land of many uses. Um, forests were seen as a resource. Timber extraction was important to the, to the building of this country. It um, certainly wasn't done sustainably uh, in a lot of places at the beginning. Hopefully we're we're understanding how to do that better now. Um, But the forests are seen as a a resource and the Forest Service's history was in timber extraction. Well, fast forward 90 years to, or 100 years, the Forest Service was formed in in 1906. And so now it's 2010 and the Forest Service has this legacy of being a timber harvesting operation and a lot of their language um, is still caught up on, on, on marking timber and, and selling timber. Um, and they're trying to um, reduce the biomass in the forests in a lot of places, trying to trying to reduce the combustibility of the forest by, by cutting some of the cutting some of the trees. But the environmental organizations uh, see see that them as timber operators and they don't want them to cut any trees and so they sue the the proposed plans or, or file a lawsuit and um, Getting something done on the ground gets caught up in a quagmire of environmentalists, it, it, for 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 good reason in a lot of cases, um, not wanting large trees or certain habitat to be destroyed, and the Forest Service trying to do some fire fire reduction, fire mitigation work, um, but not being able to fund the project without cutting some large trees to sell for timber, um, and so they're they're caught up in this this uh, confusing legal mess that. Uh, eliminates projects from being done, and, and so there needs to be a much more um, collaborative and um, cooperative relationship, and that, that has been very difficult um, to this point.
1: So all of the mitigation between the different organi- organizations has fallen back on your research? Project. Well,
0: so um, not necessarily. I mean, they're, they're interested in, in our results, um, but implementing things on the ground is a uh, is a, an entirely different story. So what we're trying to provide is the science and the understanding of historic conditions, current conditions, and projections for the future. Um, implementing those into policy and then actually on the ground uh, management is, is a whole nother step. And the, the current thinking around sustainable management is, um, is called adaptive management. And that brings in this idea of uncertainty, because um, we're fairly certain climate change is happening. There's a lot of evidence that, that it's kind of undeniable to, when you look at the evidence that humans have not caused some kind of large atmospheric change that is, that is causing a change in temperature and climate regimes um, globally, then what we don't know is how the forests exactly are going to respond to that. There's a lot of wild cards in there, so we don't know how much temperature is going to change. Um, we don't know how that's going to affect the fire regimes, which is kind of what we're looking at here. How is how is, uh, you know, an increase of two degrees Celsius, uh, longer fire seasons, more extreme drought going to affect forest fires? Most of the predictions are that there are going to be more extreme events and that fires may become more frequent. Um, when you change a disturbance regime like that, it has um, important consequences for the for the ecosystem. Each of these plants and animals has adapted for uh, a long time in their genetic history to um, to various disturbance regimes or fire histories. And um, we don't know exactly what's gonna happen with species diversity when when things start changing more. Um, other ecosystem services like water delivery, how much are we gonna get? When is it gonna come? A lot of the snowpack in the Sierras is su- suggested in the future to turn into rain. How is that gonna affect water storage or usage in, in California? So these are some of the things that we're, that we're trying to think about. Okay. So um,
1: as you're doing your specific research, um, who all are you having to uh, collaborate with? Is it mostly the park service? And then um, what uh, specific uh, technologies and um, tools are you using to collect your data? And uh, can you just elaborate a little bit about the actual um, technology and uh, the tools that you're working on?
0: Yeah. So, um, in terms of collaborators, um, I've collaborated with a variety of of um, land management organizations, the, the the Forest Service, United States Forest Service, which is the Department of Agriculture. I've collaborated with uh, the BLM Bureau of Land Management in the who's doing some work in the Eastern Sierras. Um, I've collaborated with um, uh, state water um, water agency boards, um, as well as uh, fire. Community wildland fire planners um, and UC you, you extension specialists that are that are in um, kind of forest and forest environmental fields, um, and so that's the interesting thing about forests is that you know people own private forests, the the government owns forests, the people own forests, state parks own forests. and have state parks is another group that I've worked with. Um, in terms of the the tools that we use, um, the way I like to think about it is that we kind of worked from the, from the ground up. And we try to integrate um, a lot of different um, spatial components. So um, at, the, at the lowest component is the, at the individual tree. So we go out and we actually measure a lot of individual trees. And the equipment is pretty rudimentary. A, a, a tape measure that measures circumference. Um, I guess one um, kind of fancy tool we have is a, a laser hipsometer that um, has a little reflector and a laser and can tell distance and, and angle. And with that, you can pretty accurately measure the height of trees, um, which is something that's actually really difficult to do. Um, so we measure the height of the trees with that and the crown volume. So we're out in the field gathering a lot of data. Um, I've worked in a lot of recently burned areas. Um, and so that that makes it for an interesting field season when you're in a regenerating forest or a forest that has recently burned. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting to see what's going on out there. Um, once we zoom back a level, some of our other um, data tools that we use are, um, are satellites. So, satellites and, and, and even airplane flown imagery. So, from satellites, we, we can get a lot of land cover, cover imager, images. Um, Landsat is a particular satellite that, that has, there's been five of them, I think. It's been rotating since the 1970s. So, when we look at land cover change over time, we can look at those images and see, see what's going on. Everyone's seeing Google Earth and it's similar images to that that we can get. Um, we also, after each wildfire in the US, um, the USGS and For- the US Forest Service have a collaborative um, operation where they map the fire severity. So what they do is they take a an image um, that was taken prior to the fire and they compare that to an image that was taken after the fire from satellites and they basically do some image analysis to see how much it was changed in kind of greenness, how much the vegetation has been burned, and then they can create a, a fire severity map. And so um, there's been some interesting work looking at fire severities, and I've sampled the different fire severities and found that um, a lot of people like to think about, well, is the area burned or not burned? But actually there's a variety of different severities and fire effects that can happen from um, not killing very much of the vegetation to to, destroying everything that was there prior to the fire. Okay, so
1: then um, looking at your progress so far, how is the relationship between the different organizations you're working with and what key obstacles have you come across and is it feeling
0: like it's uh, successful so far? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think there are a couple obstacles um, ahead. Some of the obstacles are um, scientific and and knowledge-based in terms of what we currently don't know and and what we need to find out. And um, some of the obstacles are political and social in that um, managing or, I mean, the the good news is that the the people or the public or the government owns a a wide swath of forested land in California and in the American West. And that land, even though it is for many uses, um, will probably not be developed anytime soon. And so we, we have done a good job of at least setting aside forested land. Um, the tricky part is that we need to collectively decide how we wanna manage the, that forested land and there's a lot of different ideas about how to do that and um, certainly uh, our changing future in terms of climate, invasive species, changed um, fire regimes, um, bark beetles uh, are an invasive, or not invasive, but a, um, an insect that can kill. Um, trees, and it's now doing so in places where we haven't seen it before. Um, and, and so there's a lot of challenges that, um, that lie ahead in, in terms of understanding what the future change will be. In terms of the scientific challenges, um, I think one of the big ones is, is accurately uh, modeling fire spread. That's, that's an active area of research for this lab, um, and I've done some work on um, fire modeling um, in Colorado degree in, and um, there are some really great models that can that can um, predict fire spread and, and fire behavior, but but we're searching for a more physically based model that, that actually incorporates fire physics better than the current models do so that we can model the spread of the fire on the landscape. And then the other um, challenges will be to understand how species are going to respond to climate change. You know, the, the initial thinking is that um, because in general, things will get warmer, that in complex terrain like the like the mountains or a lot of forested areas, species will tend to move uphill because it's a little cooler up there and that's where the kind of climate envelope is where they best survive. Um, but it's not so simple. Obviously trees can't march. Uphill, Their seeds can can move uphill. Each tree has um, different seed dynamics. Some trees, the seeds are dispersed by wind. Other trees, um, like pines, uh, most of the seeds are dispersed by small rodents that cache their seeds uh, to come back to later and maybe forget about them and kind of plant the the trees. So they they move at different rates. Some trees require that a fire burn in that area before it can establish. Um, Other trees are better when there's no disturbance. Um, so, predicting exactly what's going to happen is, is going to be difficult. Well,
1: um, moving forward in your project, um, where do you hope to end up in the end? What
0: is your main goal for the culmination of your work? Um, so, so my focus is to continue doing uh, research on forest ecology so we can understand how forest ecosystems are working better and fire ecology. Um, and um, Ideally, that research is, is um, based in science that can help inform uh, human management of, of ecosystems or human coexistence with, um, with other species um, in, in forest ecosystems. Uh, I also want to continue uh, teaching and, um, and doing field courses and, and actually engaging with students in ecosystems and conducting ecosystem research. Nice. And so, moving forward to that
1: goal, um, what difficulties do you think uh, you're gonna come across, um, and uh, who do you think you might need support
0: from in order to accomplish those? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, what, what challenges? Well, currently one challenge in um, academia, uh, especially public education, is, uh, is funding. Um, as as our nation hits a uh, economic crisis, or maybe is in the middle, or hopefully tail end of one, um, certain certain things have definitely, uh, or a lot of things have seen cutbacks in funding, public education being one of them. Uh, in the state of California, uh, unfortunately, it seems California is deinvesting in public education more and more, um, but but it's certainly not on a, on a, a good upswing yet. And so um, finding just even finding. Um, uh, academic positions is, is difficult these days. Um, so I think funding is a big challenge because that's really what drives science. Um, and that's what that's what drives, um, unfortunately, high, higher education is also um, driven by the, the amount of extramural funding that, that professors can, can provide. Uh, so I think that's going to be a challenge. Um, and um, that's kind of, I think that's that's probably the biggest one. I mean, I, I uh, feel very fortunate to, um, to be studying something that, that I'm passionate about and to, um, and to feel like uh, my work and my research has, has a, uh, a bearing on important questions about the future of uh, um, forests and, and forest ecosystems and forest management in the U.S. And um, continually interacting with students uh, is something that, that has uh, enriched my experience continually. Um,
1: And then just to go a little further in depth about um, your actual personal journey um, working on this project specifically or um, further on in uh, any forestry research you hope to do, um, what fears do you have, what uh, experiences can you just uh, elaborate on um, just the process?
0: Yeah, well, so um, what fears do I have? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, one fear that I have is that um, even though we've protected uh, our national forests and, and our, um, our kind of prized forested land in the West, that, um, that that's not going to be enough in, in the next hundred years. Maybe my, my children or my children's children won't have the same um, forests and, and uh, natural resources that, that we that we have they've been a place for me for um, personal discovery and, and retreat and, um, and peace really and um, I think that that's important for, for humans to experience that I think also just the intrinsic presence of those um, forests uh, is tremendously important for the vitality of uh, um, life that's there but certainly even life here like our water and our air in a lot of ways depend on on forests. So um, when the European uh, Americans came to the the western states, um, they did cut a lot of the the old-growth trees that were there. And um, luckily, trees came back, uh, and and we have amazing forests still. The question now is if a huge fire burns a swath of forest, or maybe humans cut down a big swath of forest, Will tree will it be trees that will, will come back or will it convert to um, a shrub field or a grassland or uh, potentially even in, in an area where vegetation doesn't grow as much um, that's what's scary to me is uh, is that we don't we don't really know um, and we're not guaranteed that, that a forest would come back okay um,
1: so then uh, just if you have any closing thoughts for the young professionals that are looking to get into um, forestry research, or um, just any thoughts about um, the su- sustainability um, field, yeah. right now.
0: So, so uh, I guess my suggestion in this field is is um, is actually uh, pretty simple, but has been challenging. Is to find um, uh, an economically viable and profitable use for small diameter um timber removed from um, the forest. And, and I say this because in that quagmire of, of, of legal battles that I mentioned between the Forest Service and environmental organizations, the, the rub is really about cutting large diameter trees. The environmentalists don't want to see the forest cut down large trees because they're important for habitat, um, they're beautiful and people like them um, and they provide important services. Um, but the Forest Service often wants to do that to fund the project because they can sell those trees. Smaller trees they can't sell, but if there were uh, a value for those smaller trees for um, bio uh, biomass energy production, for um, poultry constructed um, architecture, um, for um, biodiesel, for instance, potentially from that uh, electricity production in burning facilities, if there were um, a a viable alternative or, or, or even profitable way of using the small trees which is really, um, in terms of a fire perspective, what is what is causing a lot of the fire hazard in the, in the forests. Um, and also a lot of the ecological uh, issues. Those forests didn't used to be as dense with small trees because fires were burning. So if we're not gonna allow fires to burn in the environment um, as they used to, we're gonna have an increase in biomass. Um, if we can use that biomass uh, sustainably, and, and um, I think ultimately, um, through a market-driven solution, um, then, then there could be more agreement and more synergy between, between fire reduction and ecological restoration and, uh, and litigation by environmentalists.
1: Thanks to Kevin Krasnow for talking with us today. You can learn more about the fire science lab at berkeley.edu. I am Peter Fitch. This story was produced by myself and by Alex Kawashima, and directed by Sue Liebeck, music courtesy of TriPlexity, with support from Sustainovation, Business for the World We Share, Silicon Valley Innovation Associates, and Starnet, harnessing the power of partnership.
0: This has been Innovating Smart, bringing you stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org.